do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. This is the third time I've pushed the record button and it seems to stop at a certain point for some reason. <laughs> this time it didn't. You know what's weird? And I honestly, I don't know how this could have anything to do with it. What would it be? What would it be? Well, we'll try it again. Um, what it was, I, I was like playing music on my TV really loud to like work us in just to to see and i was uh, listening to a song you know what i'll even skip and i'll go to the next song here you go this is a uh, roy ayers npr music tiny desk concert Mm-mm. oh yeah i feel it so basically what i did was I've been watching these things. Sip of the fly up in the sky. Got a story to say, I'll tell you why. There you go. And I wanted to start the episode with us. You see, my friend, I yeah. fall in love. Feel it. Love, 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 love. Love. Oh. Mm. Oh, why? Oh, why? Oh, why? Hey, why ask why? Ladies and gentlemen. you some things. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue is Pater... Oh, fuck. Pterodactyl urinal cakes. The P is silent. Pterodactyl, I said. You know why I said pterodactyl? Because IRL, when I say that word, I purposely pronounce the P. But for the purposes of uh, the sponsor, I shouldn't have, so I fucked up. And would traditionally, in a professional setting of a podcast, that would be erased and redone. But, ha ha ha, the advantages of being an unprofessional or unprofessional or professional podcaster is I could do whatever I want. Movie the first, Skyscraper. This is a movie about a tall building with a very tall man who's also wide in the form of Dwayne The Rock Johnson playing Will Sawyer. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's a The Rock movie in which there's action and, and his big muscles and uh, he doesn't have a leg. That's a different from other rock movies I've seen. Uh, there's that big jump that was made famous by the impossibility of it from the movie poster. That was something I can't verify. He did make it. He didn't die <laughs> in that scene, and then the movie just went to black. Although, you know what? I'll tell you, if that had to happen, would have been a better movie. 
Uh, it's just very, very cut and dry. Nothing really very much in the way of interest, movie, action. Bleh. Uh, that being said, uh, if you don't mind a dumb action movie, it's fine. Uh, Rating-wise, I'll go two and a burp and also the odd three moment where something kind of cool happened. So there you go. Uh, moving on to a better, at least in my humble opinion, uh, action movie, Jurassic World colon Fallen Kingdom, which uh, I don't know if people like this one or not. Uh, I never really pay attention to that, and I often say I am a bad reviewer of things because I tend to like everything. Uh, maybe people hate this. I don't know. And frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. That's a movie reference. Uh, when the island's dormant volcano begins roaring to life, Owen and Claire mount a campaign to rescue the remaining dinosaurs from the extinction-level event. Well, they were already extinct once, so just let it happen again? Question mark? Should they? I'll say my A, number one gripe of this movie, and I'm pretty sure... Jeez, did, uh... Uh, Jeff Goldblum, did he do press for this movie? I feel like he did, and... As I forgot to give a spoiler warning at the top of uh, the podcast, which I do every time and forgot to do this time because I tried something different, spoiler warning of all things that might come in this episode, he is in the movie for, I don't know, two minutes at the top and at the end. Uh, just no important scenes. If his scenes weren't in the movie, it wouldn't have made a difference other than the fact that I love him. So I was glad he was in it for that perspective, but really no major role in it whatsoever which was disappointing i thought he would be like one of the main people of this one him and chris pratt i feel like you know what i bet you chris pratt and jeff goldblum uh i'm gonna rate their movie where they're in it together as i don't know buddy cops i'm gonna rate that like a four or a five out of five it doesn't even exist and i'm giving it that mark uh this i'll go similar to my rating of skyscraper but this time i'll go three which, with occasional really cool four moments ah. if you're unfamiliar three is for enjoyed while watching but probably wouldn't watch again okay moving on to another actiony comedy ish I, I don't know heist movie yeah heist i guess that would be the number one way you would characterize this oceans eight the worst of the oceans movies oh sadness i i, I did go out and this is something i try not to do but i did go in, into it with high hopes i love a heist movie uh the the all girl thing uh i actually i don't know if i prefer it but uh i certainly don't mind it and uh i, I like the idea of it i liked the all girl ghostbusters for example so um it's just there were so many holes in the plot uh, in the heist and just just things compared to the other movies where you were sort of tracking all the cool things they did to pull off the heist i feel they just weren't here or they were here they just weren't as strong which means the movie's not as strong because that's why i'm watching a movie like this not for the uh the acting necessarily just for the the, the cool ways in which these uh, very very super intricate interesting multi-level heists are pulled off and this just felt like it didn't have that sandra bullock though jesus christ she's looking freaking good how old is she now i don't know but okay wait let's look i'm i'm in imda does it have birthdays 1964 that would involve math for me to figure out and i refuse to do math in life and on the podcast last but not least won't you be my neighbor oh we'll uh we'll pause a little bit uh because this movie deserves to be talked about despite the fact that we're out of time uh won't you be my neighbor the documentary on uh, uh mr rogers fred i do believe rogers 
Uh, I will say right off the bat, both of Mrs. and I um, were Canadian. Yeah. Uh, and in Canada, I think, at least from our age, we're both the same age, born in 1981. You do the math. I'm not doing it, as I have already indicated. This is a math-free zone. Uh, we were more uh, watching uh, at a young age, not so much Mr. Rogers as Mr. Dress Up, which is sort of a Canadian version, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Also the fact that Mr. Dress Up uh, looked strikingly like my actual IRL grandfather, maybe it was another reason that I enjoyed him a little bit more. Uh, he, very, very similar, like, even the names Rogers, Dress Up, like, he, he had a, 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 like, the shows were... I don't know how identical, but but a, but a fair much. Picture a Canadian version of Mr. Rogers. Was he even nicer then? Ooh, take that, Mr. Rogers. Shots fired. I'd like to see those two in a fight, Mr. Rogers versus Mr. Dressup. Uh, okay, Any, anyways, the movie, the movie, the documentary. Um, th- th- this is sort of famous, at least from all I have heard of it, for making you cry. And <laughs> I got to say, uh, mission accomplished on that front. And there's, there's one scene in particular where there's like this little kid uh, uh, and it's like the, the You I Like song. And Jesus Christ, that got me pretty good. Something happens, I feel like. Uh, and maybe this has probably come up before from time to time. Uh, like you reach a certain age or like the older you get, things like this seem to hit you more. I, I don't know. It's like uh, emotions of the, of the tearjerk variety are stronger in me than they used to be. I'm fairly confident i i don't know interesting interesting sciencey brain chemically stuff let's say won't you be my neighbor we'll go with like a solid four out of five good crying doc television talk Today's Television Talk sponsor is the Doug Judy Karaoke Bar. Thank you for that sponsorship. Uh, okay, television to talk about in uh, this uh, segment comes in the form of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, specifically Season 5, which just became available on Netflix. I should specify uh, Canadian Netflix. Uh, I don't know if it was already available in the U.S. or is not, but hey, but hey... Uh, if you haven't seen any of these, uh, this is a classic. I think we had one of these last episode as well. A classic pity-envy situation. And that I pity you have not seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and yet I envy. You can now watch them from the beginning with fresh eyes. Pity-envy. Uh, in fact, a girl at my work, I talked her into uh, working her way through. And uh, she, you know what, I think I asked her twice and she never actually told me if she liked it or not. But then again, she's also continuing, so I guess there must be some enjoyment. Anyways, we're not here to talk about her. Hello, Chioma. She said she listened the other day, so I will say it there. Ha ha ha. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, season five, in which there is, for my bang, for my buck, not enough um prison episode so uh if you're unfamiliar and this will get a little spoilery i suppose uh jake in the season finale of the previous season was imprisoned wrongfully so but imprisoned nonetheless uh so the first two episodes of this 22 episode season uh take place with him in prison and sort of the events uh, revolving uh, around that and him being a cop obviously makes for some uh, interesting things that can happen now the, the my sort of gripe there is uh two episodes out of 22 I, I i felt like 
I almost felt like uh, Orange is the New Black, how they did like the whole season where the guard, or like 90 some odd percent of the season where there was no guards, like they really took advantage of that. I feel like this idea wasn't as taken advantage of <laughs> as it uh, could have been. Then again, you're, you're having one of the main characters sort of, sort of by himself, separated from the rest of the cast, which... Uh, this, this is an ensemble cast that is so incredible together. I do sort of understand from the level of not wanting to have them separated, even if it does make for some potentially interesting storylines. Yeah, okay. So, uh, do I, I feel like sometimes I don't rate seasons of television shows, but I will in this case, and I think I can easily go five out of five... Five out of five, yeah. Uh, a little bit, and I don't know if I'm insane saying this, somewhat reminiscent to me of a uh, airplane, like the movie Airplane, or Airplane 2, if you prefer, in that it's a lot, or, or maybe like Family Guy, yeah. Uh, very high JPMs, jokes per minute, which I don't know is if, uh, if that's a term that people actually use, but it's one I have used from time to time anyways. Yeah, uh, like you're jumping from joke to joke to joke uh, in, in a story, like there's always a story that's interesting uh, because you have cops dealing with uh, everyday life, uh, their insanities of these sort of very quite often broad characters, then with crimes, <laughs> the solving of crimes and uh just just crazy situations uh, let me look at some of the episodes for example uh the one uh, i may have mentioned at the top uh, uh jake turns into a uh, the negotiation yeah so that was with uh chris robinson in the form of doug judy his uh nemesis jake's sometimes nemesis i would say uh there's an episode called the box which uh doesn't 100 percent, but a lot of it takes place in a what are the uh, interrogation room? Uh, I like episodes like that that are sort of uh, there's there's a word for it that they use and I don't know what it is. Uh, bachelor bachelorette party. Oh yeah, uh, and just on that note, this spoiler ends in a wedding of Jake and Amy. Ah, <laughs> uh, of course, sort of got uh, farcical uh, at the end there in that the wedding uh, sort of everything starts to go wrong. Uh, is it Fraser esque? level of farcicalness Ooh, i like that fraser esque okay i'm gonna write that down and that's probably gonna be the name of the title the name of the title fraser esque levels of farcicalness spelt very very wrong i'm sure conan the life oh uh, yeah Today's book banter sponsor is Jack's Deburnt Gluten-Free Loaves. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, so uh, we didn't do horrible on the movies. We got a 5 out of 5 for the TV. And on the book, we got another goddamn 5 out of 5. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm tempted to go 6 out of 5 on this. Yeah, that's how much I love this book. The Baker's Boy uh, by J.V. Jones. Uh, this is the from uh, a series called The Book of Words. Is it a four book or a, th or a trilogy? Let's see. One, two, three. It's a, it's a trilogy, which, hey, you, I've spoken very highly of the fantasy trilogy on this very podcast and my love of that as a sort of thing. 
Uh, I'll go quadrology. I'll go sankology. I'll, I'll go goddamn Wheel of Time it if you want me to. But uh, I do enjoy a trilogy. I feel like that's uh, that's often finds a good sweet spot. Um, this in particular, I'm a little bit into book two, but I gotta say, and I've already just mentioned. Um, Wheel of Time, very, very given me sort of the, the reminiscence of the Wheel of Time in that you've got a young man in the form of Jack who's sort of uh, coming into his own both in terms of uh, sort of 18, 19, uh, turning into a man, but then also developing uh, strange magical powers. And uh, there's sort of hints at a future that will be uh, sort of take him out of the, 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 the castle kitchen where he's a titular <laughs> baker's boy uh and, and then he'll have a, 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 a something in his in his future that will make him very important to the world as a whole hmm. a destiny you might say is he a chosen one perhaps now uh, all of these is like everything i'm saying are, are very very much tropes in fantasy novels but this one's done very very well and it's a uh, has a cast of characters that you're sort of jumping back and forth so we've got jack um his sort of counterpart in the form of uh what's her name emile uh, meliandra meliandra she's like a princess who uh ran away because she didn't want to be uh wed to a evil prince and the, there's some sort of connection between the evil prince and jack like they were sort of i'm, I'm thinking uh, i don't know yet i feel like they were maybe born on the same day under this uh, uh, shooting star that told of their coming that sort of idea and I feel like one's good and one's evil um, and the the evil prince very 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 evil like torturing animals level of evil <laughs> yeah they don't really uh, pussyfoot around his level of evilness uh, which I don't mind I, I, I don't mind that then you've got uh, uh, an evil wizard dude who's sort of helping that evil prince wants to put him in power uh, then you've got another <laughs> I guess evil archbishop uh, he's sort of pulling the strings his scenes are freaking they always end with him torturing not not literally torturing just like psychologically and maybe a little physically <laughs> torturing his like uh, uh, personal assistant I guess you could almost call him and, and they're quite funny like he gets great pleasure in just doing stupid little things like having him I don't know like pick up his cat's vomit or stupid things like that uh, listen to him play uh, a song on a broken lute for five hours uh, <laughs> I don't know just dumb things they always give me a little smile like oh fuck this guy is gonna get his cup up come up it's at some point uh, let me read the Goodreads maybe that'll give you a little taste of it as well uh, at vast castle Harvel where King Leshkith lies dying two fates collide in her regal suite, young Meliandra, the daughter of an influential lord, rebels against her forced betrothal to the sinister Prince Kylock. In the kitchen, an apprentice named Jack is terrified by his sudden, uncontrolled power to work miracles. Should have that in quotes. Miracles. Uh, together, they flee the castle. Mm, that's not accurate. They both fled separately, and then just sort of coincidentally met up together uh stalked by a sorcerer mm -hmm, uh, who has connived for decades to control the crown committing supernatural murder to to advance his schemes meanwhile a young knight begins a quest leaving behind his home and family to seek out the treacherous isle 
Seek out the treacherous Isle of Larn, where lies a clue to his desperate search for the truth. A wondrous and epil, a wondrous and epic, a wondrous epic of darkness and beauty begins. Okay, well, some some of that I don't like. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's like a knight. Um, that's the one who went to the Isle of Larn. He uh, is a very sort of tortured soul. Uh, reminds me very much of From the Wheel of Time, Lan, Mandragon, whatever that guy's name was, Lan. Uh, and then, oh yeah, he has with him sometimes this uh, like little kid who's like a thief. Uh, some of these characters you can very much sort of fit into uh, D&D uh, characters, uh, classes. Uh, and and he's he just friggin' awesome as well. The, he, he's like a kid, but he's sort of a badass thief kid who like can steal anything and... I don't know, man. It's just easy, easy, easy for me to give this a uh, 6 out of 5. Yeah, I'm doing it. I haven't given a 6 out of 5 in a very, very long time. But, man, I love this book. If you like fantasy, I don't see how you could not like this book. Today's Game Gabin is rather a double television talk sponsor. Uh-huh. The Stonecutters. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, got two TVs. Uh, the first of which is season one and two of a television show by the name of Baskets. Starring Louis, uh, Zach Galifianakis. Yes, Zach Galifianakis. A name. Uh, yeah, uh... When did this come out, actually? Uh, 30 episodes. So I watched the first two seasons. I don't see when it came out. But that's okay. I don't really need to know. I think 2016 we're seeing here. Uh, yeah, on, on FX. He... Jeez, is this a comedy? There's comedy moments. Because, you know, you've got Zach Galifianakis. And he's a funny person by his sort of very nature. But there's also great darknesses. And then there's also just, you know, living of life, which is uh, what I kind of like the most. Um, this is what I often say of things of this nature, uh, which I suppose you could call dark comedies. Uh, if you are 100% comedic 100% of the time, that's okay. It's uh, not great. Uh, it could be a little broad and a little uninteresting after a while if you are 100% serious 100% of the time that I always feel is unrealistic because that is not what life is now when you can get a good mix of the two like this has I feel that is the most true to life even though in this show there's some strangenesses <laughs> I feel like anything you get Zach Galifianakis involved it's not going to be 100% normal uh and that is, I will say, a compliment. He plays uh, twin brothers Chip Baskets and Dale Everett Baskets. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got a uh, sidekick, uh, yeah, a Chip. He's sort of the main of the Baskets brothers, I would say. He has a, a girl who, well, a low-key insurance agent who is Chip's only friend while tolerating him. Yeah, yeah, his only friend, sure. And then in the form of the Baskets' mother, Louie Anderson. <laughs> The male comic playing the female mother of these two. Yeah. Um, 
I guess rating wise, I think I'd go four. I don't know if I would go five necessarily. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It's interesting. I love Zach. So there you go. And we have two things, so I have to move on. Ah, there you go. Perfect timing. Uh, Inside the Freemasons. This is a documentary reality TV series, uh, a, a mini series, I would say, because there wasn't, I think there's like four episodes or so. It was all about, you guessed it, the Masons or the Freemasons. Um, watched it because my uncle was telling me it was interesting, uh, him being a Mason, my cousin also. Uh, my grandfather was one of the, you know, Grand Poobahs, whatever you call it, of the Masons. Uh, I've been invited several times to join, and I always think possibility exists that uh, one day I will do so. Uh, that is, I should say, I thought the possibility would exist until I watched this movie. Uh, and it, it's not like a seedy movie, you know, like the Masons are, there's nothing going on with them. They're, they're, they're a secret organization and that some of the things they do are secret. And, and even then, it's, it's just some, I, I don't even know what I would call it. Some, some like, like nothing dark or sinister or like, it's just sort of interesting things that they've done for hundreds of years to... To make it interesting, sure, let's call it that. Now, what I learned from this documentary that sort of gave me the thought that maybe I wouldn't be a Mason one day is that, uh, I think it was three episodes in, and I'm surprised they never mentioned this earlier, was that you cannot be an atheist and be a Mason. You have to believe in a quote-unquote higher power. So uh, being an atheist and very much fervent about it, let's say, uh, and I feel like those two would apparently clash. Uh, now maybe the, uh, the, the order in which my uncle is a part of, they don't, uh, it, it sounds like some of the orders don't, uh, you know, pay attention to that rule as much as others. So still a possibility exists. Uh, one day I will, uh, the documentary fascinating, um, it gets into areas, uh, that apparently uh, access is not very is not given very often so you'll see some interesting things and you'll sort of just learn it's just sort of like a charitable organization basically is how I would almost look at it where uh, I was going to say where a bunch of dudes get together and just sort of uh, hang out and you know a, a brotherhood is, is very much underlined a brotherhood and that's the other thing that I'm a little leery about as well is that it is a brotherhood and not a sisterhood uh, because women are not allowed which is you know, not, uh, I like women more than I like men, and I don't mean just for the obvious reasons, I mean, uh, I, I tend to like hanging out with women more than I like hanging out with men. Uh, the best man, quote-unquote, at my wedding was a woman, just as an example. Uh, so, you know, let the women in there. Line, oh, shit. Really want to say that I love... Whoop. Yeah, bottom line. Today's internet, internet, uh, internet, internet. What is that? I think I may have derailed a little bit. I, I could feel it brewing. Uh, today's internet intercourse sponsor is a book. It is uh, titled "You Must Buy Your Wife at Least as Much Jewelry as You Buy Your Horse and Other Poems and Observations, Humorous and Otherwise from a Life on the Range" by Dalton Wilcox. Thank you for that sponsorship from that book. Oh boy, 
Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Uh, item the first, Grace Helbig and Brooks Whelan make dumplings with Bert Kreischer on Something's Burning. Yes, Something's Burning I have spoken of on this podcast a couple of times now because they keep putting out awesome episodes. This one, uh, <laughs> the, the, the main reason I wanted to bring this back is because I love uh, Grace Helbig. Uh, I love Burt Kreischer. Uh, Brooks Whelan, I, I didn't really know anything about. He's uh, fine, and uh, I liked him after seeing this. Uh, nice guy, and uh, very funny. Uh, but anyways, uh, Grace Helbig and Burt Kreischer, individually I loved, and I never sort of had... It, it's like a strange peanut butter and jam. Like, you, you almost wouldn't think these two would go together. <laughs> but they do. They, they very much do. And as soon as you start thinking about their personalities... Uh, you'll realize, like, man, I, I want to see more of Grace and Bert just uh, like the aforementioned whoever I said would be good, oh yeah, uh, in a buddy cop movie. So, Jeff Goldblum and uh, Chris Pratt versus Grace Helbig and Bert Kreischer, whose is the better buddy cop movie? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and I ask it to you in an effort to get audience participation as I do from time to time. If you've made it this far, you might as well goddamn well answer me that question. Alright? Uh, email address provided. Twitter provided. Other social medias provided. In the end of the show, answer me that question. Which would be the better buddy cop uh, couple? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, next we got Worth It. Oh yeah, uh, you know what, I've watched quite a few of these now, and I've never spoken of it on this internet portion of the podcast, and that is just wrong. Uh, basically, what it is is... <laughs> the double is. What it is is... Uh, they'll take uh, two things... Or, uh, they'll take a thing, in this example I'm going to use, sushi, and then they'll try inexpensive, uh, middly expensive, and then very expensive version of that thing. In this case, as I have already said, sushi. So sort of a fascinating look. Uh, the reason I like this one the most out of, I think, any I've seen is because it was in Japan. And of all the places on this globe, uh, the one I have the most desire to visit is Japan. Um, despite the fact that, uh, that, that plane ride, man, I don't, I don't know if I can handle that. Would not be good on the old back. And also not being able to sleep would probably be an issue. Anyways, uh, check that out. And, uh, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of them. So you'll probably find one like myself that tailors to you. Uh, last but not least, the Andy Daly Podcast Pilot Project. It is from, out from, rather, behind the paywall, the dreaded, dreaded paywall. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's great. Andy Daly, uh, many, many appearances on Comedy Bang Bang. I have much love of anything he does. Uh, I've been saving season three of Review for like over a year now for like a rainy day. Like that's my, that's going to be when something really, really goes wrong. <laughs> I'm going to save that because I know how much fun uh, that will give me. So I've been like saving it. Uh, I, I just love him. And, and the fact that he's got all these just insane episodes where he's doing uh, insane characters on insane episodes are insane and I love them and I have uh, f started uh, f how many am I in maybe five or so and uh, and I'm trying not to go through them too quickly and repeatedly just crying laughing at them and it is so very good ah oh, damn I thought maybe I would finish saying the word good and then uh, the podcast would be over uh, it should happen any second now anyways uh, I, I want to say perhaps 
like I think maybe last episode or the one before, there might be a little something for you after the credits. Uh-huh. A little, how you say, a cleanup conversation. God damn, I thought it would be there too. Folks, <laughs> my timing on this one, perhaps a little off. Fuck. Here, let's listen to music. It's nice to be nice to the nice. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper Yes, you heard it right. A bonus clip. What I decided to do, and perhaps we'll do going forward a little bit is uh, I play D&D, and uh, I write recaps for each session, or at least I have been, uh, because I lost my recapper. He moved away, so I decided to take over the recapping-ness, because it is, you know, fun to do. I, I'm, I'm DMing the game, so I, I know maybe some behind-the-scenes things, so we can add a little tidbit here and there to the recap. Uh, we did a one-shot session uh, sort of thing, a little bit of a side quest to the main quest. So this, at least parts of it, will uh, sort of stand alone, considering you haven't heard the whole uh, uh, the whole campaign. Uh, but then again, some of it, you'll have no idea what's going on. Let's just say, I'll give you the gist of it, uh, there is a NPC non-playable character by the name of Benny Buttons. Uh, he is a wizard. He is very, very old. However, he's also cursed uh, and has been aging backwards. So he's in the body of a very, very young boy. Hmm. Benny Buttons? Benjamin Buttons? Old young thing? Huh? Anyways, uh, so the side quest was to cure him of this curse 
uh, because if he continued to age backwards, he would eventually, you know, be a little baby. And, uh, you know, a little baby wizard, probably adorable, but, uh, you know, also uh, not good. So here we go. The Cure for Benny Button's Recap. <clears throat> it's going to be a little long, I think, too. So uh, I should perhaps mention that. Let me uh, zoom in a bit so I can see this better. <clears throat> A dark and stormy night cannot get much darker unless it involves a trip to the Plain of Shadow. It seems that when young Benny Buttons was an old man, like many magic users, he contemplated his end, and although lichdom was tempting, he also knew that was not for him. When his studies found that there was a glimmer of hope in the Plain of Shadow, he used his immense powers to travel there. Powers that were not, however, up to the task of coming up against Shar, Mistress of Night and Lady of Loss. Char had used her godly influence to trick Benny into thinking his salvation was in her realm. It was not. Instead, Benny found torture and pain, and eventually the loss of a shard of his soul. Char then cursed Benny Buttons to age backwards, for she believed that the loss of the soul of a baby rather than that of a dying old man would be much more intense. She sent Benny back to the Forgotten Realms, where he used his powers in the aid of Estelle and the Bureau of Balance. That's the main quest. Uh, in the hopes to at least do some good while this extra life he had been given. But always he could feel the tendrils of Char's touch caressing his soul, awaiting the day when once more he would find himself in the Plain of Shadow. But, <clears throat> but this time with no hope of escape. Always making lists and plans, Benny was not idle over the years, and he stockpiles items. He stockpiled items that would help him should he ever find those who would be brave enough, or stupid enough, to travel with him back to the Plain of Shadow, to Shar's lair, to retrieve his soul shard, to undo his curse. This time had come. Uh, Benny's book choices, as he gives the players books between missions, uh, and red-rimmed eyes were a good indication to Valier and Grimm, uh, those are two names, Valier and Grimm, uh, that he was in need of help. And with Ragnar away on some sort of mission, uh, that was a player who couldn't make it that day, why we did the side quest, uh, some sort of mission, they at the very least had time to kill, so they agreed to meet Benny in Estelle's former office at midnight, when the barrier between the realms was the weakest. Some dark crystal modifications made to the magic big blue box where everyone had their Bureau of Balance initiation. And eventually, our team found themselves at the entrance to Shar's lair, an entrance that was left conveniently open as if the thought of anyone trespassing was so insane that it could never happen. It turns out the door was left open as a form of psychological torture, an illusory tease of an easy escape for a prisoner who had been locked up and, like Benny, tortured by Char. Theranam was at one time a farmer who ended up being one of the initial members of the Bureau of Balance. Uh, see Carl's backstory. Yes, we have a new player who was introduced here in this prison. 
Uh, Theranum found himself a prisoner of Shar five years previous, at least from his perspective it had only been five years, which was why Benny recognized him. From Benny's perspective, twenty years has passed, which was why Theranum did not recognize Benny, for he was still an adult at that time. You see, uh, time uh, works differently in the Realm of Shadow. Hmm? Uh, a battle with something that is somehow the combination of flame and shadow is made creepier still when its eyes move about its head and ends when a screwdriver that was thrown from Benny's infinite supply of tools embeds in the shadow creature's heads, or rather ends when said shadow creature, sensing its end, purposely blows itself up, thereby expelling the screwdriver at tremendous speed, harming no one. Um, Theranim, now free, he agrees to accompany Benny, Grimm, and Valier deeper into Shar's lair in the hopes of retrieving Benny's soul Shar so they can accomplish their mission and head home safe. Should be easy. <laughs> Um, the door to the first room is hot enough to burn Grimm's hand, so, so surely he will have learned his lesson to test knobs going forward. Spoiler alert, he does not. <laughs> uh, once open, a wave of extreme dry heat immediately assails them. Sweat pours off them, not helped by a fight with a dog made of both the shadow essence of the realm as well as just pure heat and possibly lava. The canine eventually retreats to the lava from whence it came, but not before making the party members so thirsty that it literally hurts. Literally. Uh, Theranam at least has the excuse he was prisoner and did not just have water skins laying around. Hmm... Uh, that will teach them to have water and food. Uh, room number two is filled with a healing mist, so that at the so that at least the portion of all the damage given and received is immediately infused with this mist and healed. There are pools of extreme heat with magical fires as well as uh, one of cold, clear water, and it seems the combination of two is what is creating the mist. From extreme hot to this transitional area, we move to extreme cold in room number three, where the cold not only saps your speed, but also your very life. What could be harder to traverse than this? Total and utter darkness in room number four. The party only goes around in circles a little bit. Uh, but eventually figures out they must take a blind leap of faith in order to head back to the light of room number five. Um, side note, for room number four, uh, I took away the map and they had to sort of figure it out just in their minds because it was impossible to generate light uh, by any means, magical or otherwise. Anyways, that, that was fun. Uh, room number five. Gravity is something we often take for granted. A grinding of gears and machinery accompanies a random change in which way is up, making for a severe risk of falling damage, unless you are levitating like Benny or slow falling like Grimm. Eventually, a, suspicious, a suspiciously dice-looking cube locked into place... The team makes the acquaintance of a solid piece of ice named Ice... Uh, who they free from imprisonment. Seems like Shar is a fan of odd prisoners. To thank the team, he offers to remove any curse they might be under. Like, say, if someone had various cursed cutlery, he would cure them of that, for example. 
the guy who could not make it is under several curses, just coincidentally from uh, a cursed fork and a cursed spoon. Uh, I don't think he knows about the fork yet. <laughs> just coincidentally, it weirdly happened. Anyways, uh, in Char's inner sanctum, she is meditating over some no-doubt evil plan, so does not take kindly to... Uh, your interruptions. The first thing she does is focuses her will on what can likely be described as liquid shadow in a lake that surrounds her. It springs to life and its huge size is no doubt very intimidating. So much so that Benny immediately starts running in hopes to get behind her in the hopes, many hopes, we suppose, for the rest of the party to distract Char while he receives his soul shard the second thing she does is manipulates the very shadow that makes up this plane to form a set of armor a shield and an incredibly long and sharp sword that she wields as if it is made of shadow since it is uh, benny sees the tides of battle turning and reminds the rest of the party that he gave them a scroll that would summon a quote-unquote monster of light to fight at their side a unicorn appears, and eventually <laughs> the team defeats the giant liquid shadow monster thing. Uh, unfortunately, it explodes into an inky blackness that pills, pulls Theranim and Valier into its quote-unquote waters. Since it's not really water. Uh, where they slowly suffocate. Theranim is able to use his prodigious constitution to eventually save himself, but... Valier is not so lucky, and he perishes in the inky blackness, slowly filling his lungs. Uh, yeah, my first player death in any game I have ever run um, was two death saves, and then three death fails. <laughs> Yowza. Uh, at one point, the only party member even facing Char was Grim, with three HP, atop the mighty unicorn, receiving healing from the horn, since unicorn horns can, of course, heal. Uh, Char strikes at Grimm and the unicorn with her shield that then envelops them and begins to slowly constrict and cause their minds to reel with psychic damage, only to be popped in the last moment by the unicorn's horn, dissipating the shield into nothingness. Nothingness. Then a well-timed pitchfork strike from Theranim causes Char's armor to likewise disappear, leaving her vulnerable. She deals with this vulnerability by diving into the Shadow Lake, and what turns out to be a move to chase after Benny, who is nearing the Soul Shard. Shards. Plural, as there's two. The chase is on, and in the haste to free his soul, he randomly chooses the closer of the two shards, and smashes it. Nothing. Somebody somewhere... Now has his shard of a soul returned to them. Hopefully, that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, just as Char is within sight of Benny, about to unleash her fury, he reaches out, snatches up the remaining shard, and with a twinkle in his eye, smashes it on the ground. Benny then immediately falls unconscious, and only the giant smile on his face lets you know that your mission has, for the most part, been accomplished. Char, seeing this, uses her godly intelligence to realize it's not really anything else to fight for, so she shrugs her shapely shoulders, knowing there will be plenty of more souls to torture in the millennia to come. She also sees the second broken soul shard, and when she does, she smirks and disappears. Uh, how does a farmer and an assassin get a dead mage and an unconscious, no longer aging backwards artificer out of the plane of Shano? It's complicated and it involves a unicorn. 
as soon as everyone is safe and sound back at the Bureau of Browns, Grim Miles calls on the god Bahamut for that one promise get out of death three card and Valier is back from the dead. None the worse from where. Yeah, they had uh, helped a god previously. Uh, the god granted them one and one time only uh, uh, resurrection from a death. So that is now gone. So they better be more careful. Uh, Benny then fulfills his promise by starting to work on some of the miraculous inventions his years of training has taught him. See list. Oh yeah, um, I'm giving the party for helping Benny one thing from each of the one, two, three, four, five levels of the Artificer uh, Miraculous Inventions, so they get to pick one thing from each level. Pretty cool, if you do say so myself. I would certainly like uh, bag of holding, I think that's a must. Uh, robes of useful items, that's kind of cool. Benny actually was sort of wearing that, but he would just pull the, whatever tool he wanted, he could pull it out, uh, which they didn't really take advantage of, of that because they were just thinking in terms of like screwdrivers and hammers and such, but uh, really could have been much more than that. Any tool? Uh, let's see, folding boat, that's pretty cool, yeah, uh, boots of striding, had slippers of spider climbing, that's a good one, um, and gloves of swimming and climbing, yeah, that's what I would say. Alright folks, uh, particularly long episode, almost made it to an hour, but, uh, I like reading that, I like writing that, and I thought I would just throw it into this cleanup conversation at the end, because why not, just get it out there, right? Right, it's still nice to be nice to the nice.